Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. Today's show is going to be an interesting conversation with uh, my man Eric over here. And I'm going to deem him, you know, everybody on the show, I usually give a nickname to. So I'm going to deem him the what now boss. So, Eric, why don't you go ahead and give our viewers a little bit about who you are? So I am your procrastination prevention partner. I'm the author of The Discipline of Now, and I'm the host of the 30 minute hour podcast. And I help entrepreneurs and executive leaders to ditch their excuses to beat procrastination so they can make more money, get more done, and feel more confident. Okay. Okay. So I I definitely love that. I mean, you're bringing energy to the table. So with that, if you could define yourself in three to five words, what three to five words would you use to define yourself? Well, so I would define myself just by my values, right? So, so one of my values is anti-fragility. And, and I, I got that from this book. Um, it's called Anti-Fragile by Nassim Tlaib. And it's really about when you face adversity that you actually come out better. Mm. So you're anti-fragile. Uh, so that, that's one of my values. Um, my other value is uh, radical honesty. Oh. Like, like I'm that person that's going to tell you, no, that shirt doesn't look right. Or you, you got... <laughs> you got greens in your teeth. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think my clients appreciate that, but I'm going to be brutally honest and upfront. And, and then integrity will be the third word because I, I think you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. You know, if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. You need to be where you say you're going to be when you're going to be there. Got it. Got it. So let, let's just dive into, I mean, I think one of the, the things that, that you brought up as far as defining yourself in the earlier stages of this podcast was, you know, talking about procrastination. Yes. So like, so a lot of people, do, I mean, let's just kind of define like that business. Like how do you turn being a procrastination specialist into an actual business? Like what does that journey look like? So basically, I mean, that, that's a common problem, the, the, the procrastination issue for entrepreneurs and executive leaders. And so when I work with them, we, we unpack what's holding them back. And what happens is it's a lot of times it's a lack of awareness, right? Like I've yet to meet anybody that just procrastinates all the time on everything. It's usually like a specific area in their life. And usually it's something that's going to move them forward. Like, so if it's, you know, getting another location for their business, if it's hiring that virtual assistant, if it's, it's something that can move them forward, they start listening to that vo- that voice of fear mm-hmm. and that comes out. So I, I help them to unpack that. I help them to look at how they're spending their time. And and once they once we kind of agree on what the root cause is, then that's when we can really start to put the solutions in place. You know, I do that coaching one on one. I've done group coaching and I also I, I do workshops and keynote presentations. So, I mean, growing up as a kid, I mean, obviously you weren't thinking that you're going to be walking around talking about helping people with procrastination. So, like, what did that look like as a kid going into an adult? Like, where did you start out? 
So, so the whole thing, that's a great question. The, the whole thing started for me in college, right? So it was, it was my senior year in college. And I'm having this conversation with a good friend of mine named Donnell. And he and I were a little different at the time. Like he was all about his purpose and I was all about the party, right? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man, you need to loosen up. We have plenty of time for all the serious stuff. Are you coming to the party with me or not? And he would always say, Eric, man, you know, you need to get serious, figure out what you, what you need to do. So we had this conversation and then like several weeks go by and Donnell and I don't talk. And I get a phone call from his mother telling me that he was tragically killed in a car accident. Wow. That changed everything for me. So, so that sent me a message that maybe I don't have the time that I think to do the things that I need to do. And it was really from that moment on that I really started focusing in on how I'm spending my time and am I being productive and what is it that I'm procrastinating on? And that's really what the start was, where the start was. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an eye-opener and essentially change your life right so i mean it got you to the point to where you realized that you were procrastinating and you became a specialist in procrastination which is kind of like the opposite end of the coin which is definitely interesting so with that right like what's the worst experience you've had trying to help someone understand why they're procrastinating oh. <laughs> well i mean I, i've just seen people who they, they just can't move forward because they you know they, they just won't take the steps like if it's for example, did they get stuck in the weeds mm. and they need to, before they can get their business to that next place, mm. they need to hire their replacement. And I, there's a specific example that comes to mind and it's like on a head level, they know it, but there's this fear. Again, and we, we talked about earlier, I tell me when you're trying to do something aspirational, you have the voices in the head that say, okay, well, what if this person doesn't work out? Well, what if I can't really afford this person? What if sales just drop off the cliff when I bring this person on? And, and so what this person would do is he would start doing a lot of other projects around the shop mm. or, or the business. And he, he would start building all of these uh, templates and start building all these. But the, really, he was hiding. And, and the problem was that he's still he's at the same level because he's not taking the steps to move forward, he, I mean, he, that procrastination. So, so here's what I teach people. You know, sometimes we think that it's, a, it's an e, you know, either or thing. Like, okay, well, I can't move forward with the business because I have to do all my research. Mm. You can do both, right? You, you can do research and move forward at the same time. So while you're researching, you know, you can, you can take small steps in the direction of what you want. I think that's definitely interesting. So, I mean, essentially what you're saying is that that particular client was procrastinating by doing busy work. So, right. so let's unpack that a little bit. I mean, like, I think a lot of people think if as long as they're working and they're doing something towards the common goal of whatever their business unit is, that's generally good. But what you're saying is essentially you have to kind of itemize out and figure out what's the highest level of return of the thing that you're working on versus working on everything and anything. Yeah. So, so there's a difference. I always tell my clients that there's a difference between being active and being effective. Mm. Right. And, and so sometimes when you're being active, so a lot of the root cause of procrastination, a lot of times is discomfort, mm. right? You, you deep down, you feel like an anxiety mm. about making that move. And so to make yourself feel better, because you, here's about it, you feel like you're not in control. Mm. So 
to make yourself feel better, you start trying to find things to control. Oh, I'm going to straighten up my desk. Uh, I'm going to build all of these processes and procedures. I'm going to do all of these things. But deep down, that's just giving me a feeling of control. When, when, the, re- when the real issue is that I'm just I'm scared to move forward uh, with, with the bigger plan. So yeah, I think you, you have to know, and you have to also know that 20% of the things you're doing are, are going to get you 80% of your results. Very true. Very true. So in your business, I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to dive into some more facets and more arms of your business. I mean, you're, you're kind of like an octopus in a sense, right? So like, how was your business structured? Is it the LLC, an S Corp, a C Corp? LLC. Absolutely. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. So do you have any partnerships in your businesses? Oh, sure. So I have a, another business. It's WNM Ventures LLC. Um, and that's really what the you had mentioned, the what now movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you kind of hinted at that earlier mm-hmm. where I'm the president and I've got two other business partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now I've also got a media company, the 30 minute hour mm-hmm. uh, LLC. Well, it's technically a 30 minute hour media LLC. And that's me and my podcast co-hosts. So I've got mm-hmm. several. And then I'm, I have Eric M. Twigs and Associates, which mm-hmm. is an LLC. And, and that's just me. So. So the reason why I brought that up, because I mean, in, in partnerships, you have solopreneurs, you have entrepreneurs, you have corporate structures, you have all these different variables. But when you come down to having a business with a partner, it's a different monster, a different animal. So kind of like what procedures do you guys have in your co- corporations that kind of keep things level? So I, I think the biggest thing, and, and I've seen this from people I've worked on the other side of that I've coached where they have partnerships, where they don't, they don't have things in writing. Right. And you, so let's say when you start, you're great friends. So you think, oh, man, yeah, we, yeah, we don't need to put this stuff in right. We, we, you know, we, we're buddies. We, we go way back. We go back to high school. But when you start, what I find is those little decisions in the beginning, they, they become really big once the money starts coming in and things start evolving. So the best thing would be to get with some like a, a really good attorney and, and make sure you put together a clear operating agreement. Like, okay, what are the conditions? If, if, if partner wants to leave the business, mm-hmm. what are the conditions? What needs to be in place? We want to add people to the partnership. What, you know, what are the conditions? Uh, how do we break the tie? Who's the, who's the, who is the tie? Is there a tiebreaker? We just can't agree. You know, is there someone who is the president and CEO? It, so I, I think that the, where I see partnerships go sideways is they don't have everything clearly spelled out on paper. Mm. Nah, got you. Yeah, I think that, that's definitely true and, and solid, 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 solid advice. So this is going into like like your journey, right? I mean, obviously someone here in this podcast, this may be the first time they, they're hearing from you and they may be like, this guy's a great success. He has all these different business ventures. They're all successful. And to them, it's perceived to be an overnight success. But in reality, how many years did it take you to get to where you are currently? Years. I mean, I started in, in 2011 mm. with uh, Eric M. Twigs and Associates. No, it's. I hope. I hope no one thinks that this is just all sunshine and rainbows because <laughs> yeah. because it's definitely not the case. And, and I think you have to. I think I was telling you you have to factor failure into your success plan. Mm. But but the key is you know you need to learn from the failures. And uh, and the, the other thing I think is it, it help. It's helpful to have mentors who have the results that you aspire to and actually listen to their advice. 
Gotcha. I think you brought up a, a solid point about like mentorship, right? And I always kind of have this ongoing debate education versus coaching or versus buying online courses. Do you have a particular stance on which way to swing to start out? Well, I think they all can be helpful. Again, I would just look at the source, whatever it is. If it's a if it's a book, if it's an online course, if it's a master class, if it's somebody you're picking up the phone to, the, the bottom line is, do they have the results that you aspire to? So if you aspire to, you know, you want a podcast with 100,000 downloads, you know, it'd be good to talk to somebody who has 100,000 downloads on their podcast. They're going to be able to give you the best advice. Hmm. So, so, so I think that's the key, but, but they all can be helpful. And, and a lot of things, I think, depend on your, your learning style. Right. Like some people learn better just if they hear like an audio program. Mm. You know, some people need to be in something where they can participate and ask questions and see the person talking and all of that. So I think you have to really make your decisions based off your learning style. Interesting. So let's say time travel is real. Right. And uh-huh. today you could teleport back 10, 15, even 20 years. What's one thing that you would want to change or do differently if you could do it all over again? I would have gotten into the podcasting game a lot earlier. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, a, a lot of times people were, especially I mean, probably around, this was probably around 2014, 2015, mm. starting then. People were, were hinting to me. People were always saying, you know, you, you'd be good on a podcast. You, you should think about starting a podcast. And, and my thought was always, yeah, I, I don't need anything else to do. Mm. Yeah, okay, that sounds nice. But I, I'm, I'm always shocked at how much I enjoy podcasting and a, a lot of the people that are that, that have 100 million downloads started <laughs> you know early uh during that time when everybody else was really focused on blogging mm. so, so that's probably so i would have gotten into the podcasting game much earlier if i could go back in time yeah, i think it's funny, funny that you said i think majority of podcasters that i've spoken to and just you know that i know personally I think that's a commonality, right? It's just kind of like once you get into podcasting, it becomes a way of life, becomes a way of living. And then you look back and be like, well, if I interviewed 100 people, well, damn, if I had did this two years ago, it would have been 200, 300, 400 people. And then your, your network would have been so much more larger and multiplied and you would have been able to scale a lot faster if you had done this earlier on. So I, I definitely um, agree with that last statement of yours. Um, so going into like, 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 like you personally, right? I mean, you have the tenacity, you have the business mentality, you have strategy behind you, you have the business savviness. Does that come from an entrepreneurial background? Any family members in your family have that hustle with them? Well, my dad, like my dad, he's, he's always had little entrepreneurial things going on. Mm-hmm. He, he was in the real estate mm-hmm. and like, like I, I think my, my dad, like he's, he's on social media. So like he he's someone that just he'll just get in there and just figure it out, hmm. right? So he, he's got a, like he's more social media savvy than some millennials. <laughs> but you know he, he just gets in there and figures it out. Nice. And so I just kind of watching him, you know, I, I think I kind of follow his example hmm. as opposed to you know like some people will say to me, oh I don't know how to do that, or I don't know. I ask him a question. This, this is something that just really gets me. Now I ask him a question. Hey, so what do you think we can do to improve? Oh I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, where you ask me that question, even if I don't know, I'm going to get the answer. My, my response yeah. is like, you know what? I'm going to find out and I'm going to figure it out mm-hmm. you know, if I need to call somebody. Uh, but but, but that, that's, I think that's the key. I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily a natural, but I think it's something I just, I just work at constantly. And I think my dad was a good example for that. 
So coming from like, you know, obviously being in, in somewhat of an inspiration from, from your dad, right? And in, in today's world, obviously you're older and you potentially, you're, you have your own family now. So how do you juggle your work life with your family life? Yeah, it, it's a challenge. Um, but I, so people talk about work-life balance, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not necessarily that you work less. People, I think that, that's what's misunderstood. You think, okay, if I have work-life balance, that means I'm just working less. And just, so I, I think the key is that you're not neglecting the key areas in your life. That's true work-life balance. So there may be seasons where you're going to work more. You know, you've got aggressive goals that you want to hit, and, you, and it's going to require you to put in that work. But the key is that you're communicating with the people that the other people in your life that are important to you and everybody kind of understands the big picture and that you are not neglecting those areas. So that means when you're with them, that you're fully present, you're giving them time. And you know, you, and, I, and I always say, you know, you, whatever's important to you, you put it on the schedule, you put it on your calendar. So putting the calendar time for family and other areas of your life that aren't related to the business can really help you to achieve that balance. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely condole that. I mean, it's one of those things, like I know anyone that, that may be younger right now may be listening and saying, why the hell do I need to schedule every aspect of my damn life on a calendar? But once you start getting into the rhythm of doing that, then you don't really have to worry about the work-life balance. Everything is essentially associated to a time frame. And once that alarm goes off or that notification pops up, then you'll make that time because it's in your schedule to do exactly that. So I definitely think that's, that's some great, great advice. So going into like your, your morning habits, I mean, like what does your morning routines look like? So I, I usually wake up, usually it's around 4.30 um, and I have a time for prayer and meditation. Uh, from there, I go to the gym and get my cardio and, and do some, some form of weight training. Um, and then when I come back, that, that's really when I, I start my day. You know, I'll start working with clients or start writing something or start preparing for a podcast. Um, so that, that, that's my typical routine. But I, but I, but I would, the, the initial thing I just mentioned, I mean, it, for me, it's almost like brushing my teeth. It's just, it's just I, I've got, I've made it such a habit. I don't, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to find a way to make it work. Nice. So, so, I mean, if you're waking up at 4.30, like what time do you usually go to bed? Well, so I try to go to bed by 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Right. I emphasis on try. We have a, a, a 10 year old and a seven year old. And it's, sometimes things come up. And you, yeah. But uh, that, that's my, my ideal time. Is, and so the other thing for me, too, is um, I, I, I take naps where, where I can uh, throughout the day because I think you have to you have to factor in recovery. Hmm. Like so you just can't. For, again, I'm just talking from my experience. You know, it helps for me to, you know, work in sprints, but then have time where I'm just in recovery mode. And then usually after like, like, for example, especially like on a Monday, like when I'm doing uh, my podcast, a 30 minute hour, I, I make it a point to make sure I, I work in a nap because it's, it's, mm. it's later in the evening. And, and based on my body clock, I'm a morning person. I know that about myself. So my energy peaks early in the morning. And when you start to get in the evening time, you know, my energy cycle starts to go down. So for me to offset that, you know, I'll work. So I've woken up at 4.30 and all that, but I'll also work in a nap. And that kind of helps to reset my clock. So when I get on the podcast, I can 
you know, come across with energy. Nice, nice. So, I mean, earlier on in this episode, I mean, we was talking about you being an author and, you know, I'm also an author as well. So, you know, just being in that space of reading books and developing books, I created a book club. So are there any books that helped you on your journey that you would want to recommend? Or, and also, are there any books that you're currently reading right now that, that you would want to recommend? Yes, yeah, so I mentioned one at the beginning. Uh, it's mm. called Anti-Fragile. Mm. Um, and it's by this Nassim Nicholas Tlaib. Uh, and it's it, it's real it, it's it's complicated. He's like just a deep, complicated thinker. But it, but I think if you really grasp that, you really can become unstoppable. If you get to the point where you have setbacks, but you become better because of the setback, what, what do you have to be afraid of? And if you always just start looking for ways to to improve from from adversity. Uh, and then uh, the, the other book I would recommend, is, and this is for me, is just foundational, Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, I, I could just read that over and over again and still have notes I'm taking. I'm like, oh man, yeah, I need to really implement that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that book has been brought up in this podcast at least like two dozen times. And it, it's one of those books, to your point, if you read that book, the first time you read it, you're going to take away maybe two, three percent of action items a year later you read it again and you're like wow i missed this the first time and you got new action items 10 years later you read it again and it's kind of like every single time you read it there's more and more nuggets it's a it's a never-ending book of jewelry that keeps dropping in your lap every single time you read it so definitely yeah. uh so so sorry to interrupt so yeah. think about it i mean timeless principles i mean he wrote that it was like like in the 1930s and you know, his whole thing was he found people that were the most successful people mm -hmm. in that uh, of that day and, and just yeah. made note of what they did. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's something we all can apply. Find people that are successful. What are they doing? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I wish he was still around because I think he can write a book on evergreen, like just a book just about an evergreen topic, how to select evergreen topics, because he obviously did it. He's done it to the point to where almost damn near 100 years later, we're still reading his book and getting information from it from damn near 90 years ago. So to your point, it's definitely a commendable book. So w with all of the information, right? So where do you see yourself 20 years from now? 20 years from now, I will have helped millions of people to move forward. Yeah, I, my, one of my things, I want to help 10 million or more people hmm. to move in the direction of their goal, their, their ultimate dream. And I, you know, my, the, the most rewarding feedback is when people tell me that, hey, you know, I listened to your audio, I read your book, and, you know, that inspired, I was procrastinating, but that inspired me to start my business. Now I have this business now. Hmm. So, so when I get that type of feedback, it's so rewarding. And so that, that's really what it's all about, you know, just really moving people. You know, I, I want to be close. I should be a lot closer to that 10 million number. So, so that's the guy. So I think if, if I'm helping the 10 million people, I think everything, anything else I would want will take care of itself. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I think it's definitely a reachable number. But I mean, what, what do you have like systematically in place to scale to that number? Because I mean, as one individual getting to 10 million people, I mean, like that's multiple lifetimes. So like what systems do you have in place to scale to that number? So, yeah, I mean, with, with the Internet and social media, I mean, you, you know, you, you have that reach, um, you know, having the, like, the What Now movement mm -hmm. group. Um, and so we, we've got all kinds of entrepreneurs and executive leaders. Uh, in that group, you know, we're tied to YouTube, we're tied. So, 
you know, with the podcasting. Um, so I, I just believe that over time as, you know, with, you know, even having a book, you just never know. I mean, like we, you know, I'm interviewed from people in Australia, England, Dominican Republic, I mean, all around the world. Uh, so, so the good thing and the time we live in, your next level is literally one mouse click away. I mean, all it takes is for that one person did you that resonates with your message mm. to spread it to the next person who you just never know. Mm. So I, I certainly think um, in that time that the 10 million number is possible. Definitely, definitely. So you got a lot of tentacles. You got a lot of things going on. You have a lot of business ventures. You have a lot of different strategies in place. Like what systems or software and tools do you have in place that you would not be able to do what you do currently without? Well, I mean, one just getting basic. I mean, I use Google Calendar, mm-hmm. you know, so I've got everything that's scheduled, you know, so I, I know like the appointments I have and I get reminders. Um, I have a virtual assistant mm-hmm. um, and, and I would just advise anybody who's on the fence, get a virtual assistant, you know, especially if you're in the entrepreneurial space, if you're an employee and a, you have a side hustle, I think that that'll just really uh, increase. I mean, she she has been like a lifesaver. Her name is Esther, and she she does a fantastic job. And I believe you probably talked to Esther or yep. communicated with her. Um, but but she saves me a lot of time. Um, I mean, I just use and I, I I try to be as effective as possible with email. You know, like I'll set up my email so certain things just flow automatically. The mm-hmm. folders, so I don't, I don't really have to touch uh, and process things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also I use, you know, as far as clients I deal with, I might use Salesforce just to kind of keep them organized. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of different things. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, talking about VAs and PAs, right? And I think, I'll, and I've given this advice before. It's kind of like sooner you get them, the easier things would be. And obviously, when you want to scale, you get more of them, and you give individual tasks to, to either one of them or to all three of them, right? So like which your current VA, right? Is that more is she stateside or is she international? She is international. She is in Kenya. Nice. Nice. So yeah, so so I mean that that's 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 a, that's another golden nugget that you know I always talk about like spreading your wings and going international, not just for the cost, but it seems that when you get a VA from overseas, they just pay attention to certain details because they want to earn their keep. Do you think that's true for your VA as well? Well, I think it's that, and they, they just have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, she has, it, like, there are very few people that just, just kind of get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Some, some of you have to tell them certain things, have, mm-hmm. where, where she can, she thinks like I do. Like, a lot of times, we, we have a similar mindset. Mm-hmm. And so she's gone out and seen certain podcasts Mm. And, and said, you know, Eric, I think that and it'd be, it could be an international mm. podcast that I would have never thought of. But mm. she's looking at it more from a global perspective because she has to. She's in Kenya and I'm here. Mm. So I'm thinking about, you know, hey, what about this person that's in Texas? And she's like, okay, what about this person that's in Australia? What about this person that's here? What about? And so, so I, I think it works very well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think diversity, because I mean, like, like one of my VAs, he is a 
application program developer. So when I first found him, he wanted to be a VA and I'm like, okay, cool. Here's your task. And you know, I'm all, I'm always big on communication. So I'm talking to him and saying like, okay, what's your background? What do you really want to do? And come to find out he, he builds software, he builds applications and he, he does web design, web development, web design. I'm just kind of like, well, that's kind of not a, a really a VA. You're more, a little bit more valuable than just a standard VA. So you had an opportunity to kind of give him more tasks designed in his principle of his education and still have him do things that may be VA, but 100% technical stuff versus just doing every single day scheduling and programming. So, so going into like your now movement, let's just talk about that a little bit. Like, I mean, what's, what's this network and and, and how does it work? How does somebody get involved in in, in that community? So let me give you the backstory. So the what now movement, Mm -hmm. it was started, we started this last April, we're actually coming up in a year. And it started because we would run into people who had this goal. They they were going to start this business, let's say. And they would say, yeah, but I'm going to wait until things get back to normal. And the question, and and the three of us, myself and my two business partners, were like, no, they should be saying that. It should be like, what now? And we said, oh, you know, we'll call this the what now movement. And then also we had our what now experience because before the pandemic, the three of us were planning on, we had this venture we were going to do. We we were going to actually start doing conferences. We were going to get hotels, get people to the conference and get speakers in. Great idea. Then the pandemic shut all that down. (laughs) And we said, okay, we still want to work together. So what now? Oh, you know what? We can do some things virtually. So we, so we started the What Now movement. Right now, we've got close to 1,600 people. in it's a Facebook group called the What Now movement. And we basically, our mission is to provide people with tools and resources that inspire them to pivot. Mm. Right? Instead of just saying, I'm going to wait until things get back to normal, they, they make a pivot. You know, I, I, can start to, I can do some of this virtually. I can start creating digital products. I don't have to do, do it the traditional brick and mortar way. Um, there's, there's different pivots. So we, we create content within the movement to inspire people to pivot. We just we're finishing up. We've got a master class. We did a seven week master class. So this is going to be it's coming Saturday is going to be the last uh, session of the master class. So it's, it's really good things going on in the What Now movement group. Nice. Nice. So going into like final words of wisdom, right? Let's say I'm an entrepreneur. Let's say I'm in my early twenties, mid thirties. Maybe I'm going through a midlife crisis. I'm 50 years old and I'm asking myself that question. What now? So I'm asking you as this individual, what words of advice or words of wisdom would you have for me, for me to continue to move forward, to move past the what now? So I always tell people, so clarity is the starting point of success. Mm -hmm. I, I think the clearer you are on exactly where you're trying to go, the better chance you have of getting there. To really get clear. I mean, I don't care if it takes a coach, if it takes a mentor, but really take the step of getting clear of defining exactly where you're trying to go and and then keeping that vision in front of you at all times, right? Because to me, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I think the why can be more important than the how. Sometimes the why, when you're really clear on what you want, a lot of times the how start falling into place Hmm. and you start attracting people that can help you with a competency or some type of skill that you're lacking that can get you there. 
But I, I, I would say, so that, that's my advice. I mean, if you're 20, if you're 40, if you're 60, you know, really make sure you're clear on what the destination looks like and, and make that your starting point. And, and I, I would also, again, don't be afraid to invest in yourself and, and in your business. Definitely, definitely. So, I mean, with that, I mean, how do people get in contact with you? I mean, obviously you have Facebook, you have YouTube, you have courses online. Like, I mean, how do they get in contact with you? You can go to my site. It's the ericmtwigs.com. Mm-hmm. You can go right to my website. And then, so E-R-I-C-M-Twigs, T-W-I-G-G-S.com. You can pick up a copy of the book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Um, you'll see my email information, um, but the best of the, the central hub to reach me will be right there through the site. And then they can also join the what now movement group as well in Facebook. Nice. So going into the bonus round, right? What is your greatest achievement to date? And outside of family, outside of kids, what's the most significant achievement you've made so far? I would say for me, getting my spiritual house in order. To me, I think this. For me, I, the spiritual foundation is everything, and, and I think that's the number one thing. And, and because that, that's really what's given me the, the clarity, uh, and it's my this, my spiritual foundation is what's attracted any of the good things I have in my life, my family, the business. It, it all goes back to that spiritual foundation. So I, I think. Finding that, I would say, is the greatest achievement. Very powerful stuff. So another bonus question for you. If you could spend 24 hours in, in, in one day, uninterrupted with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? <laughs> Nelson Mandela. <laughs> Here's why. So I, I don't understand like how he was able to do what he did the way he did it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Nelson Mandela was in prison for 27 years and came out of prison and wasn't vengeful. And mm-hmm. he had opportunities where he could have, you know, he, he was in, he got, he, he gained power mm-hmm. and he really could have gotten revenge on some of the people that held him captive, which most people probably would have. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to move forward, he wanted to stay positive. But just, I would just like to talk to him and find out how was he able to do that? Hmm. You know, how was he able to come out and not be bitter? Hmm. You know, like, like uh, I heard an interview where they said, uh, the, the, the reporter asked him, how did you survive 27 years in prison? How did you survive for that long? And his answer was, oh, no, I wasn't surviving. I was preparing. Hmm. And so I just... <laughs> Just an, an incredible person. I, I would just want, just want to ask him how he did it. Because mm-hmm. I would like to think that I would be that forgiving, but it, it would be a challenge. It would be a challenge. So, yeah, I would say Nelson Mandela would be my person. I mean, yeah, I think he's the epitome of mindset. I mean, to be in jail that long and not to lose your damn mind and to come out and to come out not only to become successful, but become a global figure of that magnitude after losing over a quarter of a century. It's crazy. So I, I definitely agree with you with Nelson for sure. So going into in the closing of my podcast, usually if I'm interviewing someone, 
in our conversations, you may have had some questions that have come up that you want to ask me. So this is the time that, what questions do you have for me? So yeah, where do you, it looks like you've got a lot of successful things going as well. Uh, where, where do you see yourself in, in the future? What, what, is, what does the horizon look like for you? So for me, I, you know, I've had this question asked to me in different ways, and, and, I, and it's very similar to your answer in the sense that I want to be able to impact people's lives, right? Particularly entrepreneurs, small business owners, people that are wanting to jump or they're being hindered from that jump due to fear, right? And that's the one hand. That's why it's called boss on cage. It's about people that want to become bosses, but they're inside of a cage and they're trying to figure out how to break out that cage and release the inner animal inside of them and, and do whatever they want to do. That's on one hand. On the other side, I'm creating all this essentially as a legacy for like my family, my, my kids, my grandkids. Because, you know, once I'm dead and gone, all this information is going to be there, right? The internet is not going anywhere, right? Unless, like, we have an EMS attack and everything goes under the grid. But until that happens, this information will be online. And my grandkids, my great-grandkids will have an opportunity to see this evergreen content, much like Napoleon Hill. And more people I interview, like yourself, that's delivering such valuable content, then that will be my legacy to leave behind. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that, you know, how you, you go to the construction site. And there's the cement, and you write your name. So once the cement dries, years and years and years later, they can see that Eric was here. That yeah, no, I think that legacy thing is powerful. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, uh, I, I definitely appreciate you taking time out at your busy schedule, man. I think you definitely develop some information for people to think about as far as definitely in the beginning we talked about procrastination and i just want people to kind of if you don't remember what we talked about i want you to rewind this back and really listen to what eric was saying about procrastination and not just being a workaholic to work you're going to work with purpose and that purpose then leads you to the result that you want versus just working on random things so again i i commend you for coming on the show i thank you hey thank you for having me it's been an honor definitely S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook. Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.